visionary new age of television. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Plus's WandaVision, Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome, Mo. I'm glad to be here. And Dan Pierce, welcome. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I was the last of the four of us to get the chance to watch WandaVision. I heard all this great talk about it and how excited all three of you were. And I logged in. I started playing it and I barely made it through the first two episodes because it was so disconcerting, discombobulating, so uncomfortable feeling. But I trusted Disney Marvel's vision. No puns intended. And I'm glad I did. Going around the circle real quick. Let's talk about the first two episodes and then what happens after them. Mel, what was your first impressions of the first two episodes? So, like you, I had not a, a kind of similar feeling, but not exactly. Um, I like the fact, actually, that it was so disorienting, that they really kind of just dropped you in the middle of the ocean, which is, in this case, the series. I like that, because with the MCU, as it's been going, you know, we just completed 22, 23 movies. So we've all been knowing, you know, kind of what's going on, where we're going, what's happening. Well, now for the restart for phase four, you know, they have to start somewhere new, but they still have to make sure they incorporate everything they've done. So I liked the fact that, Hmm, I don't exactly know what's going on here. I don't know what's happening. Like I know Wanda, I know Vision, but this is all very strange. So if, to me, it made you pay attention more and look for those little things like look for Sword and you see Hydra and you see there was a Strucker reference in the first two episodes and you know me being an X-Men fan, these things catch my attention. So I was just like, oh, okay, okay. I kind of see, you know, what the vision is, kind of maybe where we're going, but I still don't know. And I like being surprised. So with this series, it is definitely not a, I can put it on in the background and it will be fine. No. And the, And the crazy part about it is, you know, the first two episodes are only what, 22 minutes, 30 minutes. And I still felt like, hmm, I wanted this to be longer. But I, I like the way they decided to tell this story of kind of really a non-linear, we're just going to start here and you have to catch up. I did enjoy the first two episodes. I, I will say that. Dan, what did you think of the first two episodes? You know, I, I was a little bit concerned, I'm not going to lie, um, that it wasn't moving at a pace that would really hook the audience and stuff like that. Uh, however, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, if this is the artsy big swing that phase four MCU sort of has to take in order to kind of add some characterization to the characters of Wanda and vision. Cause let's be fair here. We don't really know a lot about either of them individually. We, we haven't gotten to spend like a super ton of them with them together 
individually as well as just like, why are they a couple? You know, it, it was just kind of sort of tacked on um, dur- during Civil War and stuff like that. And and then later with uh, uh, Infinity War and Endgame and stuff like that. And it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, we, we really don't know a ton about what brought them together as a couple. We don't know uh, what their aspirations were. And now with the first two episodes, we're seeing, I, I, I guess a fantasy of what that connection is, um, just in the dynamics between the, the two of them. Um, and I was really intrigued, uh, by some of the stuff Mel was talking about where like just the references and Easter eggs and sword and all of these little things that they were hinting at that eventually lead on to something bigger, which I'm, you know, we're obviously going to talk about later, but I'm intrigued moving forward. Mo, as the comic book fan among us, what did you think of the first two episodes? Well, I will say that I thought that they were challenging and, 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 and the honesty, the thing that really kept me hooked for those first two episodes is, is my love of classic sitcoms, the Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched, which were, they were really heavily ch- channeling, um, especially in those first two episodes. I think the comic book fan of me, um, as I said, previous, struggled a bit because there is this up to this point with Marvel with Marvel films and so forth, we were they were just very plot driven and you were moving from point A to B. And as uh, as Mel and Dan have said, is that up until this point, we hadn't gotten a lot of characterization, a bit of motivation. I mean, just because I am a bit more versed in the love affair between the Scarlet Witch and the Vision from the comics. So I kind of see where they're going or what the attraction is and so forth. I understand that from a comic book perspective, but but that hasn't been shown whether it was an Ultron or any of the other uh, Avengers and MCU films. It just, just wasn't shown. And I think that dropping us into WandaVision as we did those first two episodes, you know, we we get a bit of domestic life and uh again i go back to the comics about this is is that you know ironically this isn't the first time we've gotten this as, 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 a, as a fan of marvel comics you know that in the 80s there were two different miniseries that delved into the domestic the domestic life of the scarlet witch and the vision bit different than what we're getting here there's some parts of it that are from those miniseries that are, are shown here. But what I what I do like is, is that they're really leaning heavily on the performances of the actors. I mean, uh, Paul Bettany, I mean, he's he's a he I've before he was the vision, I'd known him in like a number of comedic roles and so forth. So it was kind of nice to see him kind of get back to that in this portrayal of the vision in, you know, a sitcom show. And this Elizabeth also, it's just all I really know her from. Is the is the Marvel the MCU films and it's really really uh, wonderful to see her ch- um, channeling Elizabeth Montgomery in her portrayal as you know the the domesticated uh, Wanda who's yet 
you know, willing to use our powers, you know, willy nilly and just just to make things easier for them. Then we get to episode three and things start to change. Dan, all the little odd things that have happened from during the magic shows to the to the interesting appearance of people who don't have homes, to the neighbors that are always so perfect, the little facade that we've watched, this perfect Americana that we've watched through most of the first two episodes, the classic sitcom elements, all of a sudden has a little crack in it, and the crack starts widening. What was your most startling or uncomfortable moment as the story begins to expand? Uh, for me, it was the the character of Geraldine bringing up Ultron in, in the context right after, you know, she delivered Tommy and Billy. Um, you know, she had bonded with Wanda as sort of a social outsider, uh, in, in that women's group in episode two, um, I, I really, it really was jarring the minute Ultron got brought up because suddenly the idea of the perfect Americana being aware of the incident in Sokovia and the loss of her brother and what Pietro meant to her and all, all that Ultron entailed, that whole lore in a single sentence, and for her to be aware of it and Wanda questioning her own reality and the reality of the, the character of Geraldine as opposed to the person of Geraldine, and then suddenly she vanishes and we are left with them you know, credits rolling and the two of them are watching TV with the babies and stuff like that. It was really startling. Um, and I, you know, pairing that with what was going on with, uh, vision and Agnes and herb where herb is like cutting the wall that all of it's very startling. Um, and for me, it all sort of culminates together in, in, sort of a jarring way, but in a way that's super compelling and makes you want to watch more. Mel, one of the things that happened in the first two episodes and continued um, through episode three was the end of episode teases and the intermittent commercials. What did you think of the various Hydra and other subconscious elements that we were seeing pop up in the television show as the world began to crack. I thought that was really smart on Marvel's part to do that because to me, all of those commercials and those little, you know, moments, those are all Easter eggs, every last one of them. And they're going to come back at some point, but you don't know exactly where they're going to come back. And I also feel like it was a good idea because it reminds you that, hey, we're in this special universe, but don't forget about all this other outside things that are, are 
still happening outside of our special universe. Like Hydra's still around, y'all. We ain't forgot. We just giving y'all a little reminder in our little commercial. But pay attention. That the commercials are always my oh, I need to pay attention moment because there is something here. Like I'll pause it if I'm watching it to just kind of study the screen a little bit and see exactly what's going on. Because hey, we're gonna come back to it at some point. Mo. Dan teased the fact that people just disappeared. Rambo was sent flying through what we learned is a force field. What did you think of how the viewers were let in when the final crack came and to mix metaphors, the dam broke? <laughs> the damn bro so so Luke I, I feel like and I think that's probably the genius of why they did the double bill for the first week showing episode one and two because I think by combining that because you know you really don't start to see the crack show until the end of episode two in which they colorize and then Wanda you know when the uh, shield uh, shield the sword agent comes out of the manhole and then she kind of resets the universe. Um, to me, that's really when you start to get those, those fissures. And, um, but by the time that you get Monica Rambo getting thrown out of, you know, th this perfect American town, you know, you know that this point that things are really going to kick off, and I think that that really that's an exciting in, uh, incident. And that I think by the time you get to the end of episode three, you know you're fully on board. I, I think it's just it's just it just leads you on to this on ramp. And I think that um, once we we know that she's she's Monica Rambo, because if you were someone who knew uh, about the casting for this show, you knew that that the actress portraying Geraldine was supposed to be Monica Rambeau. And you're thinking like, well, why isn't she calling herself Monica Rambeau? It's just very odd. It just takes you out of it. But again, once we get to Monica, and especially once we get to that fourth episode, where we kind of see things from the outside perspective. And, and, and we, and we kind of see, you know, what's Monica's story. What's her story. Um, she was one of the departed who returned. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, and for fans, you know, the last time you saw Monica, she was she was a child in, in Captain in Captain Marvel, and so and then to, to find out, you know, she was one of the departed. She she disappeared during the snap, and then having to live through the consequences of what happened to her mother, which in and of itself I think is a shame because I really enjoyed her mother in Captain Marvel, and I was hoping that we would get a bit more, but perhaps we could still get a bit more if they were to do like a of a series about the formation of sword and so forth. I think there's a whole lot of story back there. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm now that we have Monica, you know, as an active participant in this drama, as she is trying to put the pieces together, um, it, it, it's clear that she bonded with Wanda you know, and, and I, I guess, you know, if you if you're there to help somebody deliver their children, I guess you you're bonded to them for life. And so that there's this clear bond between them. And, you know, that's that's explored in in, 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 the, in the fifth episode. And I'm not going to 
delving in, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you can see like, like how these two women, there's this connection to the, between them. And I think that the rest of the show, I hope will certainly explore that relationship between the two. Let's talk about outside of the bubble because we learn about the fact that it is a bubble. We learn about the fact that vision or that Wanda has went in and reclaimed the remains of Vision and taken her taken him to this little town and is basically holding it hostage as she is recreating her marriage with Vision. We were introduced to some familiar faces. We were introduced to some new threats. Um Kat Dennings is an actress who I always appreciate, and she always ends up being one of these smart aleck type characters. So her Darcy was very much fun to enjoy. Going around the circle real quick, what did you guys think of the outside of the bubble plot? Dan, you first. I really appreciated them bringing in Darcy and Jimmy Woo reprising their roles and stuff like that. Randall Park and Kat Dennings are phenomenal actors, and I'm really interested to see how their perception of the Avengers and those characters and really the reality that they're rooted in versus the government's perception of events and we started to see some of the cracks uh in between what the the acting head of sword thinks about wanda versus uh what jimmy thinks about wanda and stuff like that during some of the briefings seeing these little pockets of perception and how they're going to sort of affect the greater situation is definitely a subplot i'm really really excited about Mel, what did you think? Oh, I loved it. I love that we took these, you know, side characters that we are familiar with and we made them more important. And um, I also think that everything outside the bubble is meant to connect the dots, you know, because before in the first two episodes, you know, we kind of didn't exactly know what was going on. And then we get outside the bubble and things start making a little bit more sense. And I... I like the way that, you know, you find out it's a bubble, you find out that everybody's connected, that Wanda's taken over, and now we've got S.W.O.R.D. on the outside, and the FBI, and everybody working on it. So, um, I really enjoyed the way that they, they told that story. Mo? Well, I'm gonna say, yeah, and and just to, just to follow, I do think that it's, especially once we, we learn that, you know, the vision is still destroyed, you know, and that Wanda took his remains and then like <laughs> recreated him. You know, I, and, uh-huh. and I, but I, I'm gonna say, you know, I mean, to me, so this is where you know, this is my my comic book nerd kind of brain starts going into overdrive because um, they're pulling at this point. You know, there there was a. A, an Avenger storyline uh, back in the 80s in which the vision was dismantled and you know when he was put back together it, he wasn't exactly right and you know his relationship with the Scarlet Witch was changed and in this series they had the twins they had uh, Tommy and Billy and you know I'm very curious you know as we start to get the pieces of 
as as we start to get more pieces of, of WandaVision, how much are, are they going to pull from those old Avengers series? Because they're very they're somewhat controversial in their portrayal of of Wanda and and you know we have characters you know such as the director of of Sword you know looking as at Wanda as if like you know she has some serious mental issues and so forth and I, I, I'll I'll put this out there like Marvel did not handle it or or at least the creators who were working on stories featuring uh wanda and the vision in the 80s i don't think that they were overly sensitive in terms of her portrayal as a a woman who was maybe struggling with some mental health issues and if we go down this mental health route i'm very curious to see how the show will will portray that um so that that's just one of the things I'm definitely looking for, uh, looking out for. Going around the circle real quick, what did you think? Uh, and just just to clarify for our listeners' um, understanding of where what we're discussing thus far, as of right now, the last episode that I watched was episode five. So we have not watched episode six. So episode five, the on a very special episode episode. Um, that's what we're discussing through episode five. This was the one where we got the eighties moment where the children grew up, where vision is now really realizing what Wanda has been doing going around the circle. What did everybody think of Wanda and visions dynamic? And what did you think of vision being clued in Mel you first? So, I do think the actors have a really great chemistry, you know, um, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, they have this really kind of easy chemistry about them. And even though, you know, Paul Bettany's character is for all intents and purposes, an Android, um, it still works even when he's in his true vision form. So I, a child of the nineties, Loved when they got into the, the 80s sitcoms and kind of some of the beginning early 90s sitcom things because that's what I grew up watching. You know, I watched reruns of all those shows. So that was fun for me just as a viewer. So I also enjoyed Vision being the one to be like, hmm, something's not right here. Like, why is everybody perfect? And why are there no children in Westview? And what... What is going on here? And that fits with Vision's character because now he is this super hyper intelligent being. So why wouldn't he realize something strange is going on? And we know Wanda is in control for the most part, not completely in control, but for the most part. So with Vision actually, you know, still thinking for himself, I I thought that was intriguing. For him to be like, hmm, I don't know about all this. This is, mm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Wanda. I love these babies. But uh, the milk is unclean. Dan? I was really, really excited about just getting to see their sort of dynamic and seeing Vision's more android-like analytical mind decipher the mysteries and puzzle pieces of of this whole mess. I mean, with his, um, his coworker norm and getting into his mind and realizing that there was that something was 
actively wrong. It was it was so jarring, and the email and how everyone was reacting as if it were some sort of joke, when reality was like Darcy is sending like an SOS email from the outside, trying to like clue people in as much as possible without knowing that they're all sort of snowed like fully snowed even like the background characters that don't necessarily get the quote-unquote screen time on wanda's fictional television show as it were um you know trying to navigate that whole situation but seeing seeing how wanda sort of manipulates the situation to keep vision under her thumb as it were even though that being under that thumb is what's keeping vision alive is such an interesting dynamic that the show is i i think the show is going to explore even further because vision doesn't quite know that he's not alive anymore uh so it it's all very very interesting and i'm really excited about it especially with the events of the end of the episode which we're probably going to talk about mo so <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you before we delved into you know the scenes from a marriage story because you know and if and if you have seen that movie you know what i'm talking about what scene i'm talking about in this up in this episode because it got real dark you know i mean zombie the, vision that and i have to say you know the when wanda and the vision started hovering in the air and powering up you know when they started arguing you know that just went from it, at that point it went from you know ha 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 uh funny sitcom to like literally uh a movie a la scenes of a, of a marriage story i mean it just went real dark and they were trying to pull themselves back from that and i think obviously you know the events would happen the last you know 20 seconds of the episode you know really sort of diffuse that situation but the other thing that i couldn't help but think about while i was watching this episode is family ties i just you know it was just like from the the moment they had the little sort of intro, um, the little montage of Billy and Tommy growing up to the moment where they actually did grow up, it was just like, you know, it was just kept playing on like a loop in my head. The family ties theme song, you know, what would we do, baby, without us, you know, and then they're like the whole sha la la la. It was just, it, it, it just. It like if Mel said, you know, she's a child of the '90s, and you know, I'm I'm certainly a child of the '80s, and so these 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 were family sitcoms in the '80s, you know, re really put me in the mode of the this episode again until the last five minutes, where you know things got real dark and the tone sort of shifted. But um, and as Dan said, I love the fact that the vision is piecing piecing the the story together and what's going on. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how, what other cards are turned over when we get to episode six. Let's talk about the end of episode five, because Wanda left her bubble, confronted sword, 
and promptly mind-controlled a whole bunch of people, turned their eyes red as her eyes were going red, and if you want to have something really disturbing, be watching that instead of the Super Bowl, flip over to the Super Bowl for the halftime show and discover red eyes on the Super Bowl and then have a, a moment where you have to pause because that's what happened to me. I was watching it. I just got done seeing Wanda basically do all the mind control. She turned all those people's eyes red, all those guys with the guns eyes red. The episode ended. My heart was beating. I was like, I wonder where the Super Bowl is. I flip over. It's literally at the beginning of the halftime show and all of the backup dancers slash performers had red eyes. Creepy as hell. Um, Mel, what did you think of how episode five ended? So I lived my best life, okay, watching the end of episode five. Because let me tell you something. Wanda says she was sick and tired. Uh, these people trying to come up in her house, okay? The reality that she created, trying to destroy it. And she said, oh, hell no. I had enough of y'all today. She came outside that bubble, dragging that uh, drone that they had. And she said, look here, y'all gonna stay out my business, okay? I'm not bothering y'all. Y'all not bothering me. And that's what it's gonna be. Period. And just in case y'all forgot who I was, all these little lasers and these little guns y'all got pointed at me, <laughs> y'all don't know me. And gave him a little flick of the wrist. <laughs> y'all, it was so good. I just, y'all know, I already know how I feel about Scarlet Witch and Wanda. I love it. I love that character. I love everything about it. So for her to just have her moment of, hmm. Y'all thought y'all knew me, but y'all have no idea, okay? Y'all ain't gonna control nothing over here. I'm the one that's in charge, period. And just in case y'all forgot, here's your little reminder. And walked back into the bubble. They did nothing. She is so powerful. I love it. It was great. Dan? I loved every second of it. And in after such a time and during such a time when we're all stuck inside, hopefully in, in our own little bubbles, seeing Wanda march out and like notice the outside world trying to interrupt her bubble. I was like, okay, maybe she's not so crazy after all. Like she, she was really just, and her, the, and that's one thing. So uh, during interviews, Elizabeth Olsen addressed like, so uh, first four episodes of WandaVision, where did her Sokovian accent go? The minute she leaves the bubble, accent comes back. It is like, it is such like a cool nuanced acting choice and like just the production involved and the switching of the, the soldiers and having their eyes go red and the guns turn and having monica like plead to her like hey look i'm i'm trying to be a friend for you like i was in there but i just i need to understand what's going on and so we're seeing so many awesome human moments through wanda's pain and i i i'm so excited to see more uh that was such like a cool moment sort of sandwiched in between a bunch of other moments uh, during the course of the episode. And I'm just, I, I, I'm so pumped. I'm glad that neither of you have spoiled the very last moment of the episode. We will save that for everybody to go around. 
Mo, besides the last moment of the episode, what did you think of this cliffhanger episode? Well, Luke, my first question for you is, since you were watching the Super Bowl, you got to the halftime show. Did you feel like the weekend when you switched back from uh, WandaVision to the Super Bowl halftime show? Well, there were like... no more ep- there were no more episodes of of there were no more episodes of WandaVision to watch because I was caught up. But did the, but I but I want to know if you emotionally felt like you were just trapped. I had in no that in that hall the weekend of... because <laughs> jock running around with jocks on your face in front of ninety some million people is not something that I have a connection to. Uh, but okay. continue, Mo. Okay, but as that is not to say I like his music. I enjoy his CDs, but that performance—heaven help us! (laughs) Okay, look, I'll I'll bring us—I'll tune us back to Wandavision now. Um, so, so yeah, I think that um, again, we're we're starting to to delve into the psychological underpinning underpinnings of the character of Wanda. What we've been what literally has been building from several movies now going back to to the uh, age of Ultron is the the mounting loss that this character has faced the uncertainty in her life it's just it's just you know she remember she she was a, she uh, she had her family in Sokovia then they got wiped out then you know she found herself with the avengers and next thing you know, she's on the run because she doesn't want to stop using her powers. And, you know, the whole mess with Civil War. And next thing you know, she's trying to find some sort of semblance of normalcy in these secret rendezvous with the vision, you know, prior, uh, prior to the events of Infinity War. Then we get to Infinity War and, you know, Thanos and his and uh, his minions come, and the Vision ends up dead. This woman clearly just wants, you know, hey, I just want to have a some semblance of a normal life, and she will fight to the death, clearly, to maintain whatever sense of normalcy that she's able to cobble together. And she doesn't care whether she's breaking the rules of man, the rules of nature the fabric of reality. All she wants is peace. She wants to be able to build a life with the, I was going to say man, but the, uh, the being that she loves. And, you know, as, as the other said, when, when, when sword threatens that she's going to strike back and she's going to strike back hard. Uh, so I'm, I'm clearly sensing that there's going to be some bit of an arms race building up in the next few episodes. Final moment of the episode, the brother who Wanda had mourned, but not from our world, showed up at the door. Is this, is Pietro's arrival at her front door the introduction to the multiverse and what does it mean for the X-Men? These are the questions we were asking ourselves at that last moment. Mo, what does this mean? To me, it means that her father is Magneto. They going, they it just that's that's just the end of it. I mean, if this version of Pietro from the you know X Men Apocalypse, uh, um, the Fox movies, 
the Fox move, yeah. If this version of Pietro shows up, who was clearly Magneto's son in those films, and we and remember there was a cameo of a of their version of Wanda in uh, it was X Men Apocalypse. So when when she uh, so to me it's it's clear as day that this is where this is their inroads to bring in the the conduit for bringing the mutants over um for reestablishing within comics is a fundamental parentage the house of m the house of, of magneto um and i'm all about that cuz you know i'm like if that's an on ramp to the mutants bring it on dan what did you think the, have the X-Men arrived? I am so excited at the prospect that the X-Men arrived. I, I'm so intrigued by the idea that Wanda somehow in unconsciously recasts her brother from another, uh, you know, universe and stuff like that because they had already played with the multiverse theory in far from home we know they're about to do it in dr strange 2 and spider-man 3 so this is all leading up to so many possibilities uh with the x-men actors and stuff like that i you know evan peters reprising that role as let's be fair here the superior pietro like preach no shade but he was he was He's a better, better period like he, he was he was just the better actor like he he's entertaining he's funny yeah they they've sort of americanized him a little bit by calling him peter in the fox x-men movies but we already know from the scenes in X-Men Apocalypse that he is Magneto's son. That was already established in those movies. So if they keep that, they're they're going to completely throw out the retcon that happened in the comics in 2014 where they're no longer mutants and they're no longer the um the they're no longer Magneto's kids, which means if if the Evan Peters cameo is not actually the cameo that Elizabeth Olsen is like teasing all over interviews being like, we have a cameo coming at the level of Mark Hamill in the Mandalorian. If that's not Michael Fassbender, I'm just saying guys like, okay. Ian McKellen maybe, but probably Michael Fassbender. Like if that, if that is not on its way, I just, I, oh, I can't wait. And people are already speculating after the Winter Soldier uh, Falcon promo being on an island because the island that the comics often have them going is the same island that Wolverine is often at uh, in the comics. And so that has a chance of connecting that. I just, there are so many possibilities and things at play. And I'm so excited at the prospect that finally, these two entities can start hanging out. These two properties are going to finally merge. Uh, it's going to take some time and some nuance and stuff like that. But Kevin Feige hasn't let us down or, before. There's no reason to be worried now. Mel, when you saw it, were you like, I'll be damned? <laughs> I saw it. 
And literally, I was like, it has begun. Like, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like, we're here. We're finally here. I just... The multiverse. We're here. Finally. We're, we're finally getting here. And I could not be more excited. I agree with Dan that Evan Peters' version of Pietro is the superior version. He is better, period. There is no getting around that. So it was great to see him there. I mean, hopefully in the next episode, we'll get to see more of him and see kind of where they're going with this. But it is a good way to finally merge the series and bring in our mutants, which I cannot wait. Um, I would love for Magneto to show up. I would love for Professor X to show up because House of M, wink, wink, here's, nudge, nudge. Here's um, the thing, though, and this is the question that I have to ask because people know I don't read spoilers, generally speaking. Dan is talking about Magneto and Michael Fassbender. When he mentioned that, having me, me not having heard that before, my first thought was, wait, who was the one X-Men character that went to a whole bunch of different realms based on comics? In the movies. You talk. Wolverine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, no, hold, hold Wolverine went to an alternate timeline, but I mean... But, the, he, the but, part- but he had those comics, and everything in those comics, in the different comics, ended up being actual timelines. Yeah, but but in terms of like, if you're going to lay the foundation, of you don't want to lay it on the, on the char- on the character that it, um, Hugh no. Jackman is not returning to. <laughs> no, because no, because well, the reason the rationale is is because it is a the the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver Pietro's character have been, you know, they have always been that tie that between the X Men. And the Avengers. They were both members of Magneto's Brotherhood of Mutants. Um, Pietro in the comics, he was a member of one of the X-Men teams, X-Factor in the 90s and so forth. They're, they have it, it, it just make Kevin Foggy is a student of the Marvel comics. Darn he it, knows Mo, that these fundamental relationships. My hopes. How dare you, you dash my hopes? <laughs> I need Wolverine. In a movie, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine in a movie with Tom Holland <laughs> Spider-Man. And this is how I thought I was going to get it. You just dashed my hopes and dreams. But no, no, hold on. Now, I, you know, that can come as Mel, yeah. as, as Dan and Mel said, you know, it takes time. But again, we want to build this, this house correctly. And again, if you're going to build this house correctly, that means because you brought over the Evan Peters version of Pietro you need to one as Dan and I said correct the most the travesty Mm -hmm. that happened which is when Marvel decided to undo the parentage of the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the comics because whatever not that because well essentially because of the light the whole movie and tv licensing deal with the x-men and so forth at that time period they need to now backtrack this is the way to backtrack it to get everybody on on the same playing field i mean it just doesn't make any sense without bringing in magneto and i'll be honest with you i think if if we're gonna get a special cameo an extra extra special cameo i'm more likely to believe it'd be fast bender versus 
Ian McKellen because Ian McKellen just got his uh, COVID vaccine. So I don't think he's coming over from the UK. <laughs> so, okay. On that note, final thought, Dan. I, I am so excited. I cannot wait for more episodes of this show. It really has, you know, WandaVision was a risk. They, they completely filmed Falcon and Winter Soldier ahead of WandaVision and then last minute decided to put WandaVision beforehand as, as a result of the pandemic. So now we are having to react to these puzzle pieces being added together in such a crafted, meticulous way that actually is brilliant. Like they're laying the foundation before they go into like this super action show of Falcon and Winter Soldier. So now WandaVision has a chance to lift the entire MCU into its newest stage, into connecting it to these, you know, X-Men movies and the the X-Men MCU, as it were, and sort of merge these universes or at least parallel universes within the same realm of possibility. I just, it is such an exciting time to be a fan of Marvel and I cannot wait for the future of this streaming service in particular, because this is what we're going to be getting from now on. Like they're seeing the success with, you know, 2021 is going to be such an important time and gauge how much, how many shows, how much are they going to invest in this brand, in this property, in this streaming service moving forward? And it's all thanks to WandaVision. Mo, final thought. Well, my final thought is folks better start reading those uh, old 1980s comics featuring uh, Avengers comics featuring um, the Scarlet Witch and the Vision. Uh, and also that if you want to, find out a little bit more about the thought process behind this show i recommend uh listening to an episode of the hollywood reporters podcast tv stop five where they talk to the showrunner of of wandavision and she has some interesting things to say about the show thus far you mean to tell me they're not basing this on the ultimate universe oh no 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 we're getting a that mix of things that was a joke. <laughs> sorry Mel, final thought uh, on WandaVision and your beloved Scarlet. So uh, we didn't talk about this and I have to talk about it. Uh, we did not talk about the re-blip, basically. Everybody coming back. Monica Rambo's big scene where we figure out that she has been blipped and she comes back and literally everyone is coming back at, at the exact spot they disappeared in. I thought that was dope as hell. I... I, I think I watched that five times. It was amazing. So um, that's one of my final thoughts. My other final thought is uh, I agree with Dan that Marvel definitely took a risk on this show and it has paid off and it makes me trust. They know what they're doing even more than I did before. You know, I definitely had all the confidence in the world in them, but watching them do something like this, I'm like, I don't have to worry. I do not have to worry about the story going off the rails. I don't have to be like, I don't know where this is going to go. I just have to trust the process. And that's really what I want in the show. So kudos for WandaVision. My final thought was WandaVision. If you get past the first two episodes, was amazing it all makes sense that being said if you haven't watched 
the new trailer for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you need to do that as soon as possible because that is going to be good too. On that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Melody Akles. Dan is at The Real Dan Pierce. And Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye y'all. Bye.